Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Law and Blockchain Podcast, hosted by Amy Wan, CEO of SageWise, a safety net for smart contracts and consultant for Security Token Academy. Hi, this is Amy Wan with the Law and Blockchain Podcast. I'm CEO of SageWise, and I'm here today with Scott Purcell, who runs Fund America and Prime Trust. But before we get into all of that, um, quick disclaimer, anything you hear on this show is not legal advice. It's purely educational, blah, blah, blah. So please don't sue us. And then secondly, um, uh, you know, this show is the first in a series of shows about the topic of security tokens. So without further ado, I wanted to go ahead and introduce Scott Purcell. Scott, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Amy. Yeah, we've been uh, servicing people who are using the internet to raise capital since the first time it was allowed with the Jobs Act. Our customers historically have been crowdfunding portals and broker dealers and others who then use our technology to uh, run transactions, handle escrow, do accounting, uh, and make sure that their offerings are in compliance with securities regulations. And so that's been our wheelhouse, uh, both as a technology company and as a financial institution for years. And we've done I don't know, many thousands of Reg A, Reg D, Reg S, Reg CF, and other kinds of offerings for uh, many, many issuers, portals, um, hundreds of thousands, running uh, escrow for hundreds of thousands of investors and a lot of technology. So uh, if it comes to using the internet uh, for any kind of securities offering, whether that is resulting in investors getting stocks, bonds, or tokens, at the close of the offering. Uh, we've been there. It's what we do. So you have a interesting perspective on this whole security token space because you've done it the traditional way and right now you're helping companies doing it using this new tokenized method using blockchain technology. So I wanted to be able to break it down for our audiences a little bit. So can you explain to the audience um, how the traditional securities industry has worked thus far, and why is the use of blockchain technology so different? Like, what's going to change? Well, I, I like to point out that blockchain, of course, is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin uses blockchain. Blockchain is a ledgering uh, technology. We've been using a, uh, a technology, if you will, for our accounting and back office systems that was popularized by the Medici's in the 1400s. Uh, so after 600 years, it's time for a change. And blockchain is that change. It allows better uh, storage of records, uh, record keeping between uh, parties of transactions, which can work for securities, it can work for real estate, it can work for uh, selling classic cars. It can be, it's a great technology for uh, allowing people to process anything and keep track of it, keep all the historical records in one place publicly accessible. 
And that's really the great thing about blockchain, how it affects securities is imagine um, imagine you log on to your account on eTrade and you buy you know whatever 100 shares of Apple. You never see those share certificates. It's just held electronically. When you go to your bank and deposit your paycheck, the bank doesn't actually put a little bundle of cash aside in its safe with your name on it. It holds it electronically at the Federal Reserve. So our capital markets and financial systems are already electronic. Getting that data in the hands of people and giving people flexibility with that data or with the things that they own is the next evolution of our capital markets. And that's what the blockchain allows. Because now, instead of getting a stock certificate that you hold in electronic format at E-Trade, you get a tokenized equity interest. So you get a token instead of a stock certificate. It's the same thing um, if it represents equity, uh, like a certificate can represent anything. But now you can hold it directly or you can hold it through a custodian and trade it frictionlessly anywhere in the world. Interesting. So let's talk about that 100 shares of Apple that we might buy on E-Trade, right? Um, I sure. go, I buy the shares. It shows up on my end of E-Trade. Who actually holds what? Are, are there paper certificates at the end of the day? Um, and who's holding that for me? Yeah, let's let's step back. Let's say your uh, um, your grandfather passes away, and in his will, he leaves you some shares of Apple that he had in physical form. Because you can get a transfer agent if you buy it to to give you physical certificates. So let's say you, say you have these in your hands, and you want to sell them. <laughs> you can't just walk to uh, Nasdaq in New York and hand them certificates and say, "Oh, please give me cash." For doesn't work that way. What do you do? How do you how do you turn that into into cash? It's very very cumbersome. You have to go get what's called a medallion guarantee, which only a very few people do, and you then have to turn create an account at a brokerage firm or possibly with a transfer agent. You have to give them those certificates with a medallion guarantee. They have to go through their system to vet the ownership of it and the history of it. And eventually, they record your name in the books. Now, if it's a, if it's a broker like E-Trade, let's say your shares of Apple are now at E-Trade, whether you started with physical paper shares or you had bought them on E-Trade a long time ago. E-Trade holds those certificates or holds those shares of Apple in what's called omnibus form. In other words, they may have 100,000 or a million people who hold shares of Apple stock. They don't, like the bank doesn't put your little pile of cash in the vault with your name on it. The broker dealer or the clearing firm holding your securities, which may be a Pershing or Broadcourt or Southwest or RBC or someone like that, doesn't keep your name at the transfer agent, at Apple's transfer agent. Apple's transfer agent only knows the broker dealer, only knows the clearing firm, and maybe they hold hold 50 million shares of Apple for their million customers. But to the transfer agent, it's only the clearing firm. It's not you. So back to how it's sold. If 
someone on each, if you're selling 100 shares of Apple on E-Trade and someone else on E-Trade is buying 100 shares of Apple, then E-Trade just makes the transaction on its books and records. The rest of the securities industry doesn't know. Apple certainly doesn't know, and they will never know. Now, let's say you're selling 100 shares of Apple on E-Trade and someone at Merrill Lynch is buying 100 shares of Apple. Well, now that presents some complications because the cash from Merrill Lynch's customer has to get to E-Trade's customer and E-Trade's interest or, or customer's interest in Apple has to get over to Merrill Lynch. And there's this whole infrastructure of plumbing in the securities world to make that happen. There's DTCC and NSCC and transfer agents and a variety of other intermediaries that have evolved over the years to handle these uh, settlements between uh, between dealers and between clearing firms. And typically that takes, it used to take three days, it was called T plus three. Now uh, it's T plus two. So it takes two days for a purchase or a sale of securities through a clearing firm to settle. In other words, for people to get that money and be able to spend it, or for people to get those shares of Apple and, and do something with it. So I presume that's why T0 is called T0. <laughs> that's exactly why T0 is called T0 and why their holding company is called Medici. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned a lot of the intermediaries, right? The medallion agencies, the clearing firms, the transfer agents, the custodians. Um, let's fast forward into the future, I don't know, 5, 10, maybe even 20 years down the road when, you know, the security token industry is is in full swing, which, one, which ones of these um, uh, intermediaries is still going to be around and important? And, you know, which ones might not survive this new technological revolution? Well, people change. In the late 90s, you had... Uh, a, just one or two broker-dealers starting to uh, allow people to use the internet to create an account and log on and to buy and sell securities, which they would then do manually in the background. Uh, but they were slow to do that. And so you had the rise of E-Trade. More recently, you've had the rise of Robinhood. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for new entrants because the existing players will drag their feet and take a long time. But on the other hand, the existing players will eventually get there and they will eventually embrace the technology. So right now, uh, no broker dealers, uh, the clearing firms will not hold uh, alternative assets. They historically have not held private business interests or real estate interests. And likewise, they like listed stocks and bonds. So they're not holding tokens, blockchain securities. Uh, they're not putting those on statement yet. That's allowing a, um, a whole new industry to grow, of which my company, Prime Trust, is one. We will hold those on statements for you, for people. So if they invest in 10 different uh, securities tokens, 10 different ICOs, uh, and they don't want to have direct delivery in a whole bunch of wallets and risk losing them, we'll hold those on their behalf and issue them a statement. We will integrate with exchanges and allow them to trade those. So you're going to have a, uh, a lot of next generation players in 
this emerging market, which many, including myself, believe is the future of capital markets. And we believe that all, all securities, even current traditional securities, will eventually become tokenized because it's so much easier to trade and to manage. So in some ways, is Prime Trust trying to solve that issue of, you know, hey, maybe I'm not so technologically savvy. Um, I've lost my private keys. What do I do? They just delegate that responsibility <laughs> to you? Yeah, you. If, uh, it's so that you never have to say, gee, I lost my private keys. What do I do? Or I got hit by a car on the way home and my family, of course, doesn't have my private key. How do they unlock the wealth that I built uh, in a wallet? And you know the answer is they can't ever. So by holding those in custody with a trust company like Prime Trust, uh, it solves those issues for uh, for both individuals and institutions. That's really interesting. I remember a couple months ago I was at um, Howard's event, Howard's uh, ICO event, yeah. and I was having a conversation with Sarah Hanks, and it was her view mm -hmm. that because one day all of these token sales would need to have AML, KYC, and would have identity um, with relation to you know sold tokens, that uh, one. I, I think maybe she foresaw a future, and, and maybe I'm not explaining this right, but I think she maybe foresaw this future where um, maybe people might not, you know, need um, custodians or, um, sorry, I'm not explaining this well, but basically um, that she saw that companies would have to, you know, have their own internal systems that say, hey, all, these 1,000 people hold our tokens, um, and to the extent that there were disputes about that, sit there and resolve it themselves. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, the ones, I you know I love Sarah, she's great, and the ones that first get intermediated in this sector are the transfer agents because companies rely on transfer agents to keep track of who owns what. If on the blockchain, the next evolution of the uh, issuing protocols like ERC-20 becoming ST-20 or other kinds of things, which I won't geek out and get into these, but where ownership is fully disclosed and uh, KYC and AML is done, then a, a transfer agent's role is diminished. Now it's not eliminated until the SEC says it's eliminated because for many of these, uh, uh, like a Reg A issuer, uh, it's not an option. You have to use a transfer agent. It doesn't matter if the blockchain is keeping track of that for you and can do it effectively. So the uh, um, for others like uh, like trust companies and others who are uh, performing custody and financial services, FinCEN has come out and said that a uh, ICO or STO, securities token offering, uh, the issuer is responsible for establishing a BSA compliant program. Uh, it's not something they can outsource to you know, a firm that does AML checks. They still have to hire a chief compliance officer, they have to put together an internal AML program, they have to oversee it, they have to manage it, uh, they have to file reports uh, for what's called SAR, uh, uh, suspicious activity reports, uh, 
currency reports and put all that together. The only way they cannot do that is by using a BSA reporting or BSA subject financial institution, such as a bank, a trust company, or a clearing firm. So somebody who's conducting it, uh, such an offering, yeah, they can do this all themselves if, you know, but are they really in the business of building internal compliance departments or are they in business of just trying to raise capital to uh, execute on their business model? Um, so the only way they can get around those regulations is by relying on a financial institution uh, to perform those tasks. Fantastic. Um, so what's the temperature? What's the reaction over on Wall Street about all this security token business? Are people skeptical or are they trying to all get on board? Uh, both at the same time. <laughs> uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, of course, is one of the great examples because you have the CEO of the bank saying that uh, Bitcoin is uh, worthless and you know just shy of evil. And at the same time, you have internally at the bank getting ready to conduct clearing op or trading operations and uh, other things for their investors and their customers. So uh, Wall Street, by and large, Goldman Sachs, of course, has announced uh, that they will be getting into the game. Northern Trust has announced they're getting into the game. A lot of other people, people are. They all are. And why? Because all of their customers are. IBM, Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, every company, every Fortune 500 company, let alone smaller company, has blockchain initiatives that they're doing. So uh, that they're engaged in internally. Boeing, you name it. So these companies, if they want to continue servicing their customers, they've got to get with the program, and they will. Fantastic. Scott, how can our audience follow the progress of Prime Trust? How, where can they get into contact? Uh, just primetrust.com. And we've got a blog there that I write periodically. People can subscribe to. Uh, and I try to keep... Uh, people up to speed on various uh, securities matters and regulatory uh, issues and uh, things that come up. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us on the show. And uh, everyone, make sure you go and visit Crime Trust. Thanks, Amy. Much appreciated.